Welcome to Celebrate Poe, episode 167, Dancing on the Table. The music for the opening and ending to this podcast episode is Come Rest in This Bosom, said to be Edgar Allan Poe's favorite song. Now, first, I want to thank you for listening to this episode in the first place. This has been one of the, the uh, those incredibly busy weeks for me, and I apologize uh, for the lateness, lateness of this episode. But I plan to also release an episode tomorrow. Now, uh, before Celebrate Poe continues... With the writer's years with the Allens and Poe uh, beginning his career as one of America's greatest writers, I'd like to revisit his boyhood and youth again, and much, uh, hopefully most, of the information uh, that I'll be uh, relating uh, is uh, new to Celebrate Poe. While some of the information uh, you, you may have heard if you've listened to earlier episodes, But the majority is really basically new. Uh, The uh, overall purpose of this podcast episode is to provide some interesting information that will act as sort of a transition to Poe's development as a great writer. But before we start, I'd like to go off topic and talk a little bit about uh, the uh, hand and arm problems uh, that computers have caused. Uh, specifically the excessive use of a mouse. Having used a mouse for several hours, probably every day since the Macintosh was introduced in 1984, I think I've really strained my hands and arms over the years, not just from doing long-distance swimming, especially a lot of crawl, uh, typing, and using my hands and interpreting for the deaf, but largely from stressing my hands, wrists, and fingers with a mouse. So now I've started using what is called voice control, a way of interacting with a Macintosh computer by merely speaking to it. All Macs for the past several years have had voice control built into them, sort of the same idea as operating a mouse, but with your voice. It does take time to learn, and sometimes it does tend to get confused. Uh, voice control often has difficulty taking dictation. Recently, I was using my computer to do some research for an episode of Celebrate Poe, and I had some books about Poe on a table beside me and accidentally knocked them over, uttering a few choice words. I typed a sentence or two and looked up at the screen, and the type was all in capital letters. First, I couldn't understand why that had happened, and then it hit me. The computer didn't realize that I realized that I was cursing. It thought I had said "shift," as in S H I F T. But I got tired of using voice control because sometimes it would stop for no reason. So I looked into trackball mice. I did a lot of research watched way too many YouTube videos and basically came to the conclusion that the usefulness of trackball mice uh, is often a very personal thing. 
that a computer user on YouTube might extol the virtues of a certain trackball, but in the end, only you can personally decide if a specific trackball is a good choice. I know because I've used six trackballs before I found one that worked for me. Fortunately, I got them on Amazon so I could send them back. Finally, I bought a Kensington Expert wireless trackball, uh, one of the more expensive trackballs, but you more or less get what you pay for. And my hands already feel better. The ball and buttons are comparatively large, and I can even do most of the movements with my left hand. I'm right-handed. Normally, with a mouse on a lengthy page, like, say, YouTube, it might take uh, two or three laborious minutes of scrolling to get to the bottom of a page. But with the cool screen wheel on the uh, Kensington, I can get to the bottom of a page in less than a second with just a flick of my fingers. I know that with any trackball, it can take up to a month to get totally used to it, but I'm really excited so far. I was ready to completely give up on trackballs, but this one seems to really work. Though it is said, again, that uh, it can take a month to make the transition from a mouse to a trackball. So I'll let you know how it goes in future episodes. Now, Poe most likely did not have to suffer from the arm and hand overuse injuries that uh, uh, we take almost for granted by using computers. I mean, he lived years before the invention of the first commercially sold typewriter in 1815, much less the proliferation of the computer and the mouse. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. I'm so happy that the trackball already seems to be making a difference, and I'll keep you posted. Well, if it isn't the ghost of Mr. Poe. Hello, Mr. Poe. Greetings, Mr. Bartley. Uh, let's continue our exploration of your your life story in a conversation. Okay? Uh, and uh, remember, we left the last episode with uh, the young Poe and his sister, Rosalie, with their dying actress mother, Eliza Poe. Yes, I, I, I have no idea what I was feeling. I mean, was I numb? Was I crying? Uh, did I feel unimaginable loss? Did I ever know what was occurring while Rosalie and I watched our mother's frail body? I, I know we tried to somehow communicate with her, but she must have been too weak to speak lying on a straw mattress in a rented room. I can't even imagine how you felt. Mr. Bartley, it appeared that my dear mother was occasionally visited by what were known in the newspapers as ladies of the most respectable families. One of those concerned ladies was Fanny Allen. I was to learn that she was 25 years old, had no children of her own, and had developed an attachment to me. Her husband, John Allen, was a merchant and businessman from Scotland. He had migrated to the United States because he felt it was a land of economic promise. It is said that Fanny Allen persuaded her husband that little Edgar, 
that I should be given a home. I suspect that wasn't too difficult because John Allen would have wanted an heir. Yes, and, and, and I later hoped that it would be me, but, but I get ahead of myself. Uh, my younger sister, Rosalie, was, was taken into the care of another Scottish mercantile family, the Mackenzies. So I was moved to a house of strangers at the corner of 13th Street and Main Street in Richmond, Virginia. This was above the business premises of Ellis and Allen. Well, Mr. Poe, uh, could you tell us a bit about the city of Richmond? Certainly, Mr. Bartley. Uh, the town was founded in 1733 by Colonel William Byrd, uh, through uh, because of its location at the navigation of the James River. Richmond was therefore destined to be an important commercial city. In 1779, the seat of government for the state of Virginia was transferred from Williamsburg to Richmond, and in 1782, the town became a city in law as well as in fact. In 1800, it had a population of 5,300 people, about equally divided between whites and blacks. Uh, thank you, Mr. Poe. Now, getting back to your new family, the fact that they took you in was, was certain, but I suspect the Allens did not fully explain to you what had happened. I know that during the early 19th century, children were often treated as little adults and their special needs were, and their special wants were frequently disregarded. Um, yes, Mr. Bartley, it was hard for me to feel as though I was a natural part of the family, a part of me that, that felt I was always alone. I was to later write a poem in the autograph album of a Miss Lucy Holmes. That same album also contains a poem by my brother Henry. Some say the poem expresses my feelings of aloneness, and it was never printed during, during my earthly life. Titled Alone, the poem was first published by E. L. Didier in Scribner's Monthly for the September edition of 1875. I understand that many readers have come to view the poem alone as one of my most revealing works. From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions from a common spring. From the same source, I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in its autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm and the cloud that took the form while the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view. Yes, 
I had questions about my existence that never were fully answered. Ah, uh, but Mr. Barley, we are digressing. At my christening, I was given the name of Edgar Allen, and that's spelled A-L-L-A-N, Poe, P-O-E, on the 7th of January in 1812 by the Reverend John Buchanan at Monumental Episcopal Church. Francis Allen was an especially pious and deeply religious woman. John Allen, while apparently less religious than his wife, strongly adhered to such Christian virtues as hard work, honesty, and thriftiness. Though Mr. Poe, uh, one might question the depth of his sense of charity or forgiveness. Uh, Be that as it may, Mr. Bartley, uh, when the monumental Episcopal Church was built in 1814, Mr. John Allen purchased pew number 80 for $340. Francis and Edgar, myself, regularly attended services there. John Allen, raised as a Scotch Presbyterian, may have visited from time to time, if only for maintaining business contacts in the community. Well, Mr. Poe, uh, how would you say you were perceived as a child? Uh, Mr. Bartley, the descriptions of me as a child during those early years in the Allen household are uniformly favorable. Neighbors in Richmond recalled me as a lovely little fellow with dark curls and brilliant eyes, dressed like a young prince. I was characterized by charm and cleverness, blessed with an affectionate and generous temperament, and noted for a frank and vivacious disposition. That sounds, Mr. Poe, like it's almost too good to be true. Ah, uh, Mr. Botley, little Lloyd, little Lord Fauntleroy was nothing compared to me. I danced on the table. What, Mr. Poe? Yes, Mr. Botley, I, I danced on the table to the laughter and delight of Fanny Allen's female companions. Well, isn't that special? Uh, yes, I danced on the table and recited the, the Lay of the Last Minstrel by Sir Walter Scott. Let me entertain you with a portion of the first stanza. The way was long, the wind was cold, the minstrel was infirm and old. His withered cheek and tresses gray seemed to have known a better day. The hop, his sole remaining joy, was carried by an orphan boy. The last of all the bards was he who sang of border chivalry. For well a day, their date was fled. His tuneful brethren all were dead, and he neglected and oppressed wished to be with them, and at rest. No more on prancing palfrey born, he caroled light as lark at morn, no longer courted and caressed. High-placed in hall, a welcome guest, he poured to Lord and Lady Gay the unpremeditated lay. Old times were changed, old manners gone. A stranger filled the steward's throne. The bigots of the iron time had called his harmless art a crime. A wandering harper 
scorned and poor. He begged his bread from door to door and turned to please a peasant's ear, the harp a king had loved to hear. I would imagine that uh, John Allen, with his Scottish background, certainly enjoyed you reciting Sir Walter Scott. Uh, Yes, he certainly enjoyed the poem and was proud, very proud of his Scottish heritage. Why, Mr. Bartley, I even toasted the ladies with a glass of sweet wine and water, and I was petted and dressed up by Mrs. Allen. Well, I never thought that I would say, isn't that precious about Edgar Allan Poe? And I doubt that when you think about it, the image of a young boy dancing on a dining table does not come to mind. No, Mr. Poe, it certainly doesn't. I know that Fanny Allen was quite fond of you, but what about John Allen? Mr. Bartley, I seem to have also gained the affection of John Allen, at least at first. Mr. Allen was only 31 when I joined the family. He was definitely a man of business, but neither dour, dour, or nor hard. In fact, he initially seems to have been quite keen to the delights and pleasures of life. Well, that's an interesting view of John Allen. Oh, his pettiness and rejection of me did not really show itself until years later. You know, Mr. Poe, I view the historical John Allen as someone overly interested in business who ultimately rejected you. Uh, oh, he, he, Mr. Bartley, he, he did have two illegitimate children living in Richmond. Mr. Poe, I know that today it is frequently felt appropriate to refer to African-American individuals as members of the enslaved population. Which term might you have used? Uh, we frequently use the, to- the term slaves. Yes, slaves certainly communicates and I feel is somewhat less cumbersome than members of the enslaved population. Yes, Mr. Barley, I certainly owe a debt of gratitude to the slave or black individuals that I knew. The small black community that I associated with told stories that awakened my imagination, stories of graves and dead bodies. Are there any black slaves that you especially remember? Ah, yes, I remember. I remember uh, the mammy who cared for me whenever Franny Allen was unwell or elsewhere. Uh, There was also in the household a young slave called Scipio, S-C-I-P-I-O, and an older slave called Thomas. So I am quite grateful for the many stories of the slaves, terrifying stories that scared me while they excited my imagination. Mr. Poe, we certainly should be grateful for the stories told by the black slaves that you encountered. Well, in in conclusion, uh, I can imagine that the Allens were held in high esteem because they were such a kind couple and took you in. But we do not have any genuine record of your feelings on the matter. 
uh, yes, I, I was somewhat aware that I was living on the charity and kindness of people to whom I had no true relationship. One might say that this instilled in me a sense of uncertainty or of defensiveness. You know, Mr. Poe, that might make anyone feel fearful. Yes, Mr. Bartley, I, I must admit that such a feeling of insecurity made me feel anxious to a most extreme degree. Well, Mr. Bartley, until next week, I must take my leave. Farewell, Mr. Bartley. Goodbye, Mr. Poe. I plan to release the next episode of Celebrate Poe tomorrow. I can say that with a bit of certainty uh, because I've already written it. Uh, the uh, episode takes the Allen family to England for five years, uh, a period this podcast has talked about before, but this time with some new information that I think you'll really enjoy. Sources include Poe by Peter Ackroyd, Edgar Allan Poe, a critical biography by author Hobson Quinn, and The Poe Log, a documentary, a documentary life of Edgar Allan Poe by Dwight R. Thomas and David K. Jackson. Why not visit my podcast website at celebratepoe.buzzsprout.com, that's C-E-L-E-B-R-A-T-E-P-O-E dot buzzsprout, B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T dot com. Just uh, click on the episode that you want to learn more about, and uh, you'll see little tabs uh, that lead you to its show notes and a transcript. Thank you for listening to Celebrate Poe.